Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation and you take it from there. Today we are going to be talking about the illusion of control. And um, kind of the subtitle is, Why Do Christians Think That We Must Be In Control? And pretty much Everett's going to talk the entire time this uh, podcast. So go ahead, Everett, take it away. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. So um, the, uh, the idea for this was behind the f- um, kind of with regards to um, recent elections and things like this and how um, Christians seem to uh, go and believe that Christians uh, must be in power and they must choose a candidate to support. Um, they must put all everything behind him, them, him, her, whoever it is. And uh, so that way that they are running the country. And um, I, I recall one um, piece of this is there's a, there's a song um, that I was actually thinking about using for Vacation Bible School, and um, it's an interesting thing that uh, in the song lyric, uh, one of the lyrics said, um, let's take this nation back, and that really struck me, and so I started, uh, it's a great song, it's an awesome song, but that was one of the main core, well, part of the chorus lyrics, and I got to thinking about that, and I went out and started asking a couple people. I said, "What do you think about this?" Because it really fit with the VBS theme, and um, but I don't, I don't know that take this nation back. I don't think about scripture and go, "Oh, that's exactly what this was about." You know, let's go take this back from the Romans. That sounds more Maccabee or <laughs> than uh, than Christ. And so um, it just got my head thinking about more about the illusion of control and why do we feel like Jesus's message was go out and be in control of everything and rule over everything that is earthly or something to that effect. So um, that's a thought. Hop in. Well, David Duke said at this rally the other day um, in Charlottesville that he uh, we're going to take this nation back. Is that is that oh what really he did he said that no. verbatim oh my gosh no no it it, it wasn't that <laughs> this was an actual song by um i don't know it's a great song i don't feel like but it's it's rend collective um and uh i forget i don't remember the, what the song is I, I don't know the name of it but no that's wow okay interesting other thoughts on that You know, I, yeah, I, you know, when I think about um, control and Christians, my mind immediately sort of goes to Philippians 2, in which that, that Christ hymn of, uh, that talks about Jesus' self emptying um, and how he did not equate equality with God as something to kind of hold over, but rather, um, so I think if you look at Jesus' example in the story of the incarnation as one of, of humility rather than control. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you guys, do you guys ever watch the um, St. John Society of St. John, the evangelist videos they put out hmm. no. from the, uh, anyway, he talks about 
the most recent one, it was in response to the rallies in Charlottesville. He said, uh, the idea of supremacy is completely um, opposite to Christian faith. Jesus said, like I just quoted, he made himself nothing. And we serve a, a savior who gave up control in heaven, exactly, as I just said, and came to earth. And so why would we try to assert our control? I feel like I'm just restating what you guys have been saying this whole time. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, Tom, you, you sound more intelligent when you do it. <laughs> That's because I'm a rector now. <laughs> and congratulations, by the huh. way, Tom, for uh, Thank your new new position. <laughs> oh, thank, thank I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Speak, speaking of now, the I'm, illusion of control, yes. right? <laughs> <laughs> I was having a conversation the other day um, with some folks about self-driving cars. Um, there are some articles out there that are talking about, you know, that, you know, within 15 to 20 years, the idea of private car ownership could be completely gone. And, uh, and, and the number one thing that when people, they said, well, you know, the, the, the objection was, I like to have the control that, right. Giving up control to a machine, which I sort of understand the being a little bit, you know, weary of it. Um, but, but I think there's something that's just innate in, in humans to want to control others, to control everything around them. Right. Right. You know, that's, um. So where and, and when you're, while you were talking about that's interesting because if I want to go to the store, then I want to go to the store and get it, and that's that privilege uh, that we have. I have, um, not everyone has, uh, but you know I, I want to go to Walgreens and it's around the corner. I could walk, <laughs> probably should ride a bike, really, um, and but I just go get in the car and go get it. If I don't have, I don't know if a self-driving car thing is, I don't know what that is. So I don't know if you go get it and it drives you to the store, but uh, mine's kind of, I thought of more of a uh, mass transit piece of self-driving. I don't know. So, but that control of just being able to do whatever I want, when I want, without, with, with no um, regard to anyone else, it just kind of shakes anything that we've been, um, raised and our you know goals as an american society i think because now we have and i've heard an author say this now we all have our little castles our own castles and we have our moats in front of them you just can't see them <laughs> you know because we go to our homes and we pile on our couches and watch our tvs and sit in our castle while others are outside of that and that's because we can control this that what we're in um it's not a communal living thing not that we would love to do that or anything but it's it's our own control because we control the environment inside of our little castles i think that makes up brings up a good point which is don't you think the desire for control is mostly about safety mm. Mm. <laughs> I think it gives us the illusion of of safety. Okay. Right. And I was thinking about that's kind of the greatest good in our country, especially since say 9/11. We live in a society that value, we value security more than we value maybe goodness. That was the argument people were making. Well, can we 
put these terrorists on trial, you know, or can we just execute them? In the past, we would have put them on trial, you know, like Nuremberg in Germany or something like that. And it seems like um, doing the right thing or self-sacrifice or service has been replaced by safety and security. Uh, they talk about, you know, the soccer mom vote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, there's not much in the Bible about safety and security. Right. I, 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 I will fall short on that every time because, um, and this is just... Because you have kids? Yes, that's exactly right. And I, I told that to Children's Chapel <laughs> on because, you know, be not afraid. Uh, what is it? Is, uh, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid, right? It was Sunday's um, gospel. And, um, and, and you know, we talked about our fears and, and not being afraid and how absolutely hard that is. Um, and, uh, and But, you know, do not be afraid or, or a version of it is in the Bible 70 times. And so just look that up Sunday. That's why I know that. <laughs> and, um, and so the idea that I can go out and stand in front of a uh, protesting line like that, especially now, you know, scares me. But who's to say that I can go, I mean, at the same time, I feel wrong sitting in my castle watching my TV, you know, and ignoring it, right? And and, uh, and absolutely, I feel wrong in doing that. That sounds like, um, that sounds pathetic to say now that I'm actually saying it. So, but yeah, I got kids. I don't need to go, you know, do that or something like that is a, is a mentality that kind of tosses around. Um, it's like, well, what happens to my kids if I, you know, insert fear here? What do you do with that? Well, well, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're told by Jesus that we have to take up our cross if we want to follow him. Um, and that a seed has to be willing to die in order to, you know, grow into something else. Um, so I think risk is central to being a disciple of Jesus, but I'm not sure that means that you have to, 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 you know, to fight in every fight. Um, you know, so what is, you know, does, um, you know, what, what, to, to, to what limits are there is, what, to what limits are there in our actions in which we say, um, that that we can take acceptable risk, or is there is that is that completely opposite of what the gospel would have us do? How how does the ancient Christian idea of martyrdom make sense in a world that values security, or to a Christians who value security more and control more than they value um, self sacrifice? Yeah, so Hauerwas talks about this and um, his book on um, the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, he talks about how we affirm um, and uphold folks who go serve overseas in the military because they're protecting us. They're adding safety and security. But a, but a missionary who, were to, who is to go somewhere that would also risk their life we say, you know, well, that's crazy. You know, who, who, you know, who would do that? Hmm. Um, so we, so culturally, we see sacrifice 
if it's in the name of safety is good, but sacrificing the name of the gospel is is ludicrous. That's an interesting. That's yeah. That's an interesting contrast because um, I, I I I do with the with the uh, soldier um, the 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 idea that they're giving their life for another. Um, but I guess in I guess some missionaries doing the same thing um, as well. So good point. Something that came to mind when um, well two things I guess that came to mind was one of them in, in the regards of Charlottesville and what's happened in, in the past week. Um, and I don't know when this will be, this podcast will be out. So if you look up Charlottesville in August, uh, I think it was 12th, um, and the protests that turned violent there between um, white supremacy and, and anti-protesters. Um, but the the place there is we're we're three white males so um, in essence we're the most privileged individuals in in the world in america at least in the world i guess and um so i I feel also that whatever i say um is be taken from my place of privilege and that uh, we need a voice of minority um to kind of call out and speak to this so uh, you know, kind of. It's, this is maybe a disclaimer: um, is that these are only our thoughts that we have amongst ourselves and our own selves, and and that I think um, a gentleman put on Facebook that you know it's time to close our mouths and 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 listen to the voices of others because we can't speak to what others go through and things like that. I I don't know that I've ever been persecuted or or a hate group has ever came out and said anything negative about me or my faith or my beliefs or whatever it is about me. I have never been attacked in that way. And so how can I speak to that? And I really am starting to listening to that and and under and try and understand it more. Um, so with that in mind, uh, the quote that came to mind from uh, Martin Luther King was, um, and I don't know exactly where it's at, so I'm going to paraphrase, but he says, I must confess, um, there I'll read this part of it. The past few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. And he, it went on to say something like, I don't necessarily fear um, the white supremacist. Let's just throw that out there, something that I fear the um, white moderate who does nothing. And uh, that statement just rings and has for the past few days in my ears of what's going on. Um, because the, I don't want to get too far away from control here, but what do we do with that? <laughs> what is what is acting up and speaking up in our as Christians? I mean, I think we are called in that regard uh, to do so. I think that's why the temple tables were flipped over for speaking up and taking advantage of the least of these, right? Well, I mean, I, I think, um, so there's a, a book by Justin Lewis Anthony um, called You Are the Messiah and I Should Know, and he uh, talks about why modern leadership is a heresy. Um, and and one of the things that, that he talks about is is that we have this idea um, of of the the Savior, right? The person who, who sort of acts decisively. Um and um, 
and you know, like sort of the John Wayne idea. Mm-hmm. And 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 Lewis Anthony says that really what we what leadership is is a remembering of who we are and who we are called to be. So going back to the King, you know, quote is 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 that sitting on the sidelines is sometimes exactly not is the thing we're not supposed to do um because it's a it it, it is a, a violation of who we are as a people mm-hmm. um but sometimes what we falsely want is the leader who's going to come in and and sort of ex, ex, exert control when really their job is to help a community remember their calling and their purpose that's awesome well, you know, Everett, benevolent dictator is the most successful form of government in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I think related to that, Justin, is um, if our highest good is security, it it's hard to have these moral conversations. Like, I'm thinking of uh, Sandy Hook mm-hmm. went after Sandy Hook, or any kind of shooting, um, the, the conversation becomes about what will give us the most security. And the folks on the left are saying, well, what will make us secure is if we get guns on the street. The folks on the right are saying, what will make us secure, back to control, is if we have guns so we can take care of ourselves. And to it seems like neither of those positions are asking the right question. <laughs> Right, you know, and I I think that gets gets back to the whole idea of um, we've just kind of completely abandoned the idea of uh, faith and how you can't have courage or faith apart from fear because you have to have something to have courage and faith in the midst of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but um, see. Tom, and, and I agree with you, but I don't think that as a culture, we value sort of the nuance of the position you just said, which is, is that we're asking the wrong question in terms of guns, you know, I, specifically I what, what Christians should do. Um, you know, I think of Rowan Williams' tenure as Archbishop of Canterbury, in which he was routinely criticized because he was unwilling to sort of act decisively, right? He wanted us, he was trying to ask the questions of what does it actually mean to be church? And in light of that, then how we should we proceed when both the left and the right were saying, okay, let's proceed, and then we'll ask what, what it means to be the church. Um, hmm. And I just don't know, I, I just don't know that we value this sort of nuance. We just want to get to the position. What is your stance on guns? Right. And that's what we care about. Right. And, and he, is or, he, or, or, in, or in an effort, I mean, I know clergy in an effort to kind of prove their moral superiority will, you know, immediately go to, you know, the stance and, and they'll take the public stance on, on, on various issues. And, and sometimes that's called for, but sometimes um, it's not, it's not helping the community remember it's sort of, you know, standing on the soapbox and I'm not sure that changes anything in the long run. Was Rowan Williams, um, was he later uh, honored, if you will, for that allowing, sitting back and asking questions as, as opposed to being more decisive? I don't, I don't, I don't think we've gotten to that point yet. Oh, really? I, mean, okay. I, think people, okay. I think people respect his intellect. So he's still criticized for that. That's, that's an I interesting think- thought of allowing people because it goes back to what um, um, 
someone said about calling and purpose and, and figuring that out um, before making decisions, I guess, kind of. That sounds kind of weird, but um, that's interesting. Do you guys think this is a Western problem? Do you think that our Orthodox uh, brothers and sisters or um, other other parts of the world, do you think that security or this idea of the illusion of control, do you think that's more of a product of living in the United States and our advantaged position, wealth? I can only so say... Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, E. Nope, go ahead, oh, I can say, I was going to say, I can only probably speak to Europe um, and say that um, I'm sure that they uh, want the same control, but no, no, no. Sa safety, safety is on the mind, but I mean, the fact that they are opening borders and we're not <laughs> seems to be a little bit less safety control, you know, oriented. Uh, sorry words aren't coming out yet so a little less <laughs> can i say that go ahead you saved me well what i, I was gonna say I, I i think that there's a human tendency to desire control security safety i mean that's part of why humans came together and and formed community in towns was has enabled them to 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 have safety and security i think what adds to the complexity of it is sort of this western idea of um, I have the right to choose um, without any sort of consequence. Um, so you know, so going back to Charlottesville, um, the idea that that you know Nazis should be able to gather without any sort of consequence, you know, there's an argument about that. Well, do they have the freedom of speech? Well, yes, they have a freedom of speech, but you know, don't Christians also have a responsibility to speak out against you know Nazism and and, and hatred um, that doesn't deny their ability or right to, to assemble constitutionally. So anyways, I just think that there's an added complexity in the American, particularly American culture, of this idea of the, the right, the freedom to, 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 to choose. Um, and, yeah. I, I keep... Less collective. Go ahead, say that again. We're more individualized and less collective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that you brought in um, the the gathering in cities and towns and, and tribe, right? Because someone on their own, um, you know, outside of a tribe is less likely to survive in many ways, not even just in safety, but in, in uh, nourishment, food-wise, things like that. So, um, and yes, I have cavemen in my head. So, <laughs> um, so the first thing that I, that I wrote down that came to mind when we, when I, started jotting on my little notepad here was <laughs> um, Palm Sunday and how um, Jesus comes in and the, everyone on a donkey, um, which which is interesting because I've heard, uh, not to go too far on this, that warrior kings who were victorious would ride a donkey into the city, which is completely the opposite of what I feel that Jesus is uh, meaning behind riding a donkey in is kind of like it's not the big stallion stuff like that. I've heard that, which just like no, I don't. That doesn't. It seems wrong. But anyway, not to go on a tangent there. But everyone, you know, is waving the palm leaves and screaming hosanna. 
uh, or yelling, whatever. And um, the idea there is that Jesus was the warrior Messiah because the uh, people did not have control. They were, you know, under Roman control. And all they desired was control to reign, to have their lands back and to, you know, reign over them um, to the point that it led to a crucifixion, right? Uh, Caiaphas and others were the same thing. It's like, this is getting out of control. And even during the time, they wanted um, Jesus to state that he considers himself the king, taking the control away from them. And as soon as he says that, <laughs> he didn't even say it, uh, you know, or not of this world anyway, um, then they still killed him because that took control away from them. And if Pilate let things get out of control, then he's out. You know, Caesar comes and replaces him and who knows, does who knows what with him. So the Bible narrative in, in, or the, the Gospels just completely talks about control in those regards and, and who has control and who gives, who gives you know, uh, helps others and so on uh, from that relieving, giving up that control. And yet we're back at the same spot, it feels like, where we must have our Caesar. Um, and we, you know, Caesar is Lord <laughs> or someone else. Um, is Lord instead of Jesus. That's what it feels like when I see this. And, and, um, and, and I mean, others have brought this and through reading and things like that. What's your thoughts on that? Hmm. Sound like someone just drove by. <laughs> Sorry, that was me. <laughs> you driving? Uh, no. <laughs> we're we're, we're I, almost out of time, so if you had something else to... Well, to I mean, I, I think, you know, in, in relation to this... The crucifixion story, you know, when in John's gospel, when Jesus is confronting Pilate, you know, Pilate sits there and says, don't you know that I have the power to give you life and death, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. control when really the story is, no, that's only left to God. Right. I, I think that it's always good to think about a C.S. Lewis quote at the end of a podcast, you know? <laughs> and uh, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Pevensey children are talking to the beavers about Aslan, and I think it's Peter, he says, I think I should be very afraid to meet a lion. Is he safe? And the beaver says, of course he's not safe, but he's good. And I think that God, if you want to have control or the illusion of security, the person you should run the farthest from would be God because he, God refuses to leave us as we are. We're, we're going to be changed. Our life is going to be, we might end up in South Africa on a, on a trip, you know, or we might end up, Lord knows where, where we'll end up. Right. So anyway, um, can I, can I throw in one last thing? Yep. Go for it. So there's this there's this book that came out recently. It's called The Patient Firmament, and it talks about why Christianity thrived in the early centuries when it didn't really have like a, a church growth strategy. Um, and and one of the things that it talked about was is that 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 the church exhibited this sense of patience um, and this release of control and believing in the providence of of, of God. 
um, and and how that provided a a witness to you know being countercultural. Um, and so there was this this, as the book would argue, sort of this trust that early Christians played uh, placed in, in in God's you know that that in the end God would make things right. Um, so it was sort of a releasing of control and, and turning things over to God. So wrapping up, control for Christians. I mean, it's 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 the uh, red herring um, is the way I see it. So, um, and hopefully, people listening will take this and discuss it amongst themselves. Themselves, but um, I don't know. It just seems it just doesn't seem to fit. <laughs> I guess. All right, let's uh, let's talk about what we're reading. Um, if you are reading anything, uh, Everett, you are very good in in quoting your books and titles and authors today. Well done, well done. Um, Tom, what are you reading? I am reading two books because Dunkirk, you know, came out. I'm reading The Last Lion. It's a biography of Winston Churchill. I'm almost done with it, and I'm in the second section. It's called Alone. It's right before he became prime minister. And I'm also rereading a book from seminary called For the Life of the World by Alexander Schmemann because I have some, a lot of members have been asking me a lot of liturgy questions. So I wanted to reread that. It's an old classic. Nice. Nice. Everett, what are you reading right now? Um, I am reading a book called... Um, crucifixion by Fleming Rutledge and she makes an argument for um, uh, for an atonement theory a substitutionary atonement theory that is not um, sort of God is a wrathful angry ticked off guy who's wanting to, to hurt somebody um, so that's what I've been reading <laughs> right. nice um I'm reading something else right now, but um, in light of Charlottesville, I wanted to come back, and, and I can't remember if I had already put this on a different podcast or not, but um, Trouble I've Seen by uh, Dr. Drew G.I. Hart um, is, I think, a very important book to read right now, um, specifically for the white Christian. Um, so that's something that um, I've offered to a couple of other people, and they have really appreciated it. So in light of things that have happened recently. I think that's a good book and a good place to kind of look down. So, all right, gang, good stuff, good stuff. We'll uh, be back soon. May the uh, peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at at FunDrainPod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.